right, welcome back to another week of the Para hey, Podcast. Um, today I'm joined by 4020. Uh, Ham- Hamish Jr. again, or Junior Hamish, whichever way you want to say it. Yep, righty. <laughs> uh, Bertie. Hey, how's it going? Uh, PM. Sorry, that's just uh, somebody trying to do donuts around the front of my house. <laughs> and Ricky's around this week. He's actually recording. Yes, for once. All right, well, we'll jump straight into it. A little bit of news, recap on the junior trials, and then we're going to talk forwards and forward depth uh, for the 2018 season. So first of all in the news was BA's interview about T-Rex. Uh, the takeaways are that T-Rex is back to his smallest weight since he was 19 at 122 kilos, a slim 122 kilos. <laughs> and also it only took 60 seconds for BA to realise that he was the real deal to come back into first grade. Um, your takeaways, boys. Yeah, I think the um, that 60 seconds part is the most interesting piece of that entire article, which was like, it was a nice puff piece about, you know, T-Rex's comeback. But we, we've seen that he's been doing quite well in the rehab group of the training uh, this preseason. But the fact that Brad Arthur sort of went to that, uh, the interview, if you would, and didn't have an idea if he was going to sign him, but he knew within one minute that T-Rex had the, the intent to make it back to the NRL was very encouraging. So... He, he provides a huge point of difference in the forward pack if he can get himself right, and I'd be very keen to see him you know, right there in the mix. Uh, good on T-Rex. Need, every team needs a guy like him in there. Just, you know, he, know, knows, he knows it's his last chance. He just has to prove himself, you know, keep train right, play right, earn his spot, and earn the respect of BA and get the ball rolling. So... It's all win-win with T-Rex, in my opinion. Must have been good coffee, that's all I can say. I don't know what was in it, but it must have been good. He's, he signed him up, you know, and he's, he's just come back from an ACL. So he obviously saw something in him that take the risk, <laughs> signed him up with just recovering from an ACL. So um, I'd say he must have really impressed BA if he's decided that quickly. Yeah, well, that's the main thing. I'm a big BA fan, so... As long as if he thinks it's the right thing to do, well, then... I mean, the, the, the timelines don't... Board. The, the timelines don't overlap with Brad Arthur's coaching as a forwards coach at Manly, but he did coach Foreign and Manly for a year, plus another year at Parramatta with Foreign, uh, unfortunately. But he'd have an idea of the best way to get um, the most out of T-Rex with the Manly systems, I dare say. So it'll be interesting to see how we deploy him because he's dominated as an edge forward and as a winger, but there's a possibility that he could be used as a middle forward too, given his sort of size and surprising athleticism. So you reckon he's a sneaky middle. chance to uh, slot into semi-red, red, red open left wing spot? He's a chance to I think T. I think T-Rex would be the first one to tell you that his days in the wing are probably behind him. But uh, there are there are some interesting um, team whiffs I've seen out there in the last 24 hours. Raise my eyes a little bit. All right. So again, I think we discussed before Christmas. It's a it's a low risk signing. Like it's it's a what just on a uh, low uh, money contract, one year deal. Uh, he either gets himself in shape and 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 possibly makes the first grade team, or um, you know he fails to live up to expectation. No risk. He's playing for Wenty, and um, then he doesn't get re signed. So the ball's in his court. And he. 
He was playing some good football for the Sharks in reserve grade last year, which led to him getting a chance in the NRL before he did it, which then resulted in him doing his ACL that did game. The ACL in the, so the Pacific I think test. I think there is oh the Pacific test. Sorry, yeah, my my, my timeline's wrong then. No, but, you did uh, play good in that game. There is definitely a nice body of work to to sort of look at from 2017 as far as getting himself in the right the right direction, and we've seen that Brad Arthur can can turn around the reclamation project or development guy more often than not. So, you know, so wording on the Discord, T-Rex had 100% win rate in the NRL <laughs> last season. <laughs> don't want to sound negative, but you don't think, like, see, all these players left Parramatta, right? And, um, the, like, the attitudes weren't right. And another comeback, you don't think it's going to ruin or what might affect our culture at the club, like bringing these people back because, you know, T-Rex was like a... NYC team of the, it made the team of the year and like just you know just egos pretty much it's it's not an unfair point Bertie and I think that prior to BA's tenure at this club that that sort of move would have been detrimental to the club and to the playing group for that exact reason with you know the egos coming in and saying you know I want to bring back the golden days you know I'm the I'm sort of I'm the man but I think that we've developed the the locker room culture as well as the coaching culture that makes the players accountable. And I think even if you took Brad away at this point in time, the playing group have been shaped so much by him that they would hold any incoming recruit, whether it's Jared Hayne or Tony Williams or you know any sort of superstar sign that we'd make you know out of nowhere accountable as much as the uh, NYC player pushing up that's on spot twenty spot twenty nine out of thirty on the roster. And um, we'll, we'll talk about it a bit further when we get into the, the forward discussion. Um, but as Forty's saying, there's a potential for T-Rex to be playing in the middle forwards as opposed to just uh, on the edge. Um, but at the moment, he's still in the rehab group after doing that um, ACL last season. Um, so we'll just keep monitoring his progress and, and hopefully he'll be back for Wentworthville to start the season. And it's up to him if he can transition back into the NRL team. All right, we'll move on to the second bit of news, which came out a little bit after we recorded last week, which is uh, Gutherson is likely not to start the season and French is favoured to take that fullback position. There was a bit of media conjecture about Hayne coming in and wrecking the joint by taking over the fullback role, but BA's position has always been it's going to be Hayne at centre and French and Gutherson fighting out for the fullback. Um, French also came out today and said that when Gutherson comes back, if he's shifted back to the wing, he's happy to do that for the betterment of the team. Um, so your take on French starting at fullback and the transition back to wing should Gutherson come back pretty soon? Oh, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? I mean, the way Gutherson was playing at fullback last season, you could you could easily make an argument that if he hadn't have gotten injured, he'd have he would have come very close to, if not winning the Dalian, finishing second or third. So, I mean, not not, not that the Dalian is, you know, accurate nowadays, but certainly it would have, you know, it, it, it just makes sense to have Gutherson play at fullback when he's when he's fit and, fit and firing to go and French back on the wing, which, you know, is certainly no, no detriment to the side at all, given how he's played on the wing the last 18 months or so. I mean, has well, what was his, what was his, his try strike rate again? Was like twenty eight or however many tries in. Yeah, has more tries 
Now he does games played, basically. So it's he's one it's, one try less. It's twenty eight tries, twenty nine matches. Oh, there you go. But yeah, so it's win win, basically. It's just yeah. You know, I think if you, you know, the French is the most logic um, choice because, you know, you, he's still recovering or, you know, he's not into 100% con- uh, training. And it's just, you put more pressure on uh, Gufferson to do something, show it from game day one. So, you know, easy him into it, you know, like it's, some people may never recover from knee injuries, you know, it takes some time. But, you know, just put all the pressure. I'd rather have the pressure on Bevan than Gufferson because Gufferson uh, will do more for the team, pretty much. It's less disruption, I think, because Bevan and both Guffo played fullback throughout the year last season. And I think if you do that, it's less disruption than bringing Hayne in, who hasn't played at the club for a few seasons now, doesn't know the structures as well. So I think that's the best way to go is start with Bevan until Guffo's ready to go. It, it'll be an interesting... I know, I know that today on Channel 9, Bevan said that he's happy to move back to the wing uh, once uh, Guffo's fit. But if Bevan's killing it at fullback, it'll be interesting to see what happens... If you know you don't want to tinkle for winning formula and all those sort of you know sporting cliches that come with that uh, territory, I think that they would move Bevan back to the wing. But you know, what 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 do you guys think? Do you reckon there's a chance that you'd play Guffo somewhere else? Or can you play Guffo somewhere else in that back line if no one's um no one's fit? Is he a fullback or bust? Given that you got Hayne and uh, Jennings, Bevan, uh, and all the other guys there, I think he's um one four eight wing at Parramatta probably wasn't the best, but then again, in that circumstance, it was a new team after coming from Manly, had just been cut, plus he was also coming back off an ACL injury from when he was at Manly. I think he he did that in his first match against us at Parramatta Stadium, um, playing in the centres. Yes, yeah, Um, that's right, it was. I I don't have an answer to that. I I don't have an answer to that, Forty, so that's in BA's hands. He's got a lot to think about. Um, and also injury could come into it. You never know if one of our centres might go down, whether you think Gutherson should take that spot um, and French stay at fullback or, or what might happen. Um, that's the uh, the luck of the draw. I've, I think the most logical progression is... I think the most logical progression is Guffo will go to fullback and then Bevan to wing, but it's just one of those situations if, you know, we're sitting sort of 4, 4-0 or 5-0 or whatever it is, Guffo's quid to, quid to play... You know, do you really want to change that that winning backline? Sorry, uh, that much. And Guffo needs to get in the team because he's one of our best players. But you know, and I see that Ron's pointing out. Yeah, French is is a at least on form is a better winger than Guffo. But oh, it's one of those problems that you know makes you want to think who'd be a coach. What they can. I mean, obviously Gutherson is. I mean, yeah, as, as a fullback, is just. Tremendously talented, so I think, and we saw, we saw in twenty seventeen before he got injured, just what he can do and his involvement and his, you know, his his leadership and everything from the back, and he just knows where to be, what to do, how to do it. So, I think, I mean, it's certainly not fullback or bust for Gutho, but I think, in terms of the team and what's better for the team overall, if we are going to, you know, reach higher honors and and defeat the better sides, I think. I think you have you need to have Gutherson at fullback. Yeah, I think it's the best fit at the moment. And and if you're talking about the loss of Semi, uh, having French on the wing, I, I that's, think that's a game breaker. There, he he scores yeah, tries from nothing on the wing. Uh, he can also do it from fullback, but um, obviously on the wing, and he's got that kicking game as well that we've we've discussed before about uh, and passing game, which 
whilst his burning speed on the, the edge is probably his biggest attribute as a winger, um, having those playmaking skills for a winger can also set up all sorts of different things, given we've lost Semi over the off-season. I think that's the biggest thing point. Also, you said his, um, his speed is his best asset as a winger. It's also his footballing sense. He just, he just knows where to be. And, of course, that helps in fullback. You know, you're all across the field. But it's when those cheap kicks from Norman or Moses are going to the wing, you know that French will always be there. They'll always know that he's there. And you said before, um, replacing Semi on the wing. I noticed Semi made a few mistakes in defence last year, and as good as he was in attack, you know, you could... You know, one drop ball a game, a bad he, defensive read a game. He led, he led the team error rate by, like, miles. He was, like, at 35 yeah. errors ahead of, like, I think it was in the teens was the next set of errors on the team. So we, you know, there was, was plenty of bad. For the as good dangerous it is to say, you know, French may be a better, def- not a better tackler, because there's no way that French, with his size, will be a better attacker. But yeah. just his knowledge of defence, we've seen him come up with some fantastic intercepts. Uh, he knows when to rush up. He knows when to slide across. So it might help us also in that regard too, having French on the wing. And and not to mention, he's got that supernatural recovery speed, which most wingers just don't have. He, I remember when the game against Melbourne, it might have been the uh, first game. Was he playing wing? Yeah, it would have been the first game because he didn't play it in by the second game. He uh, he mowed down uh, yeah, the yeah. Fox, uh, Josh Adokar, from like 10 metres out. Like, it was just ridiculous. Adokar had the outside sideline, and French just was up and then across so fast. And that that's probably one of the, the things that you know comes with him on the wing is that, like you said, physically he's not as powerful as Semi in the tackle, but he makes up for it with his ability to you know create unique defensive positioning opportunities. Well, we saw in the to take away the pass year, and then um, recovery to get to the that wasn't a big hit, but he tackled the winger and it, they dropped the ball and. Uh, Jenko ran off for a try, so he's got some defensive chops. And his his debut yeah. game where he saved the game 100%. against Newcastle. That was his by, footballing um, getting got leg, from behind. He got his legs underneath the ball, and everyone thought it was a try. Uh, all right, for those playing the home game, I'll post up some streamables of Bevan French Bevan French's highlights today. Um, I popped them up on Reddit the other week, but I think um, everybody playing the home game wouldn't. Would quite enjoy that. And, of course, the Kenny kiss on um, Bebo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, we'll move on to a recap of the junior trials. Unfortunately, our boys on the beat from the TCT 40 and, yeah. and Hamish weren't able to make it because there were some changes to the draw considering the heat in Western Sydney. It reached about 42 degrees on the Saturday. So they played the Tasha Gale and the under-15s on the Friday evening and the SG Ball and the Harold Mats on the Saturday uh, at 8.30 in the morning uh, to beat the Heat. Um, but I'll just go through the results. So, unfortunately, uh, Tasha Gales and SG Ball both lost their respective games. SG Ball going down five tries to three, and Tasha Gales going down eight tries to five. But there was a bit of joy in the 15s and the Harold Mats with uh, the under-15s coming away, 11 tries to six winners, and 14 tries to five uh, winners in the Harold Mats. Um, if you want to run down on that, I know that 60s from the TCT was in attendance. He's put a, a write-up on the TCT. Um, so that's probably your best port of call to, to, to have a look at. Um, uh, speaking of those matches. 
speaking to a few guys in retrospect that were in attendance, uh, there was some good stuff to come out of the, the two days. I think the 18s were actually on the Friday evening uh, where there was mixed reports about the, the amount of tries scored, but I think Penrith accounted for us. But um, the most important thing for that game was that we got through without any serious injuries uh, because the, the core of that team is very seasoned, played together for two or three years now. Uh, the the Harold Harold Mats yeah the Harold Mats was quite surprising because I was informed last week that Penrith were pretty confident they had a strong team this year, and we sort of end up running away with it pretty comfortably. Uh, the forwards were very dominant in the first half of that game. We had a a couple of uh, uh, sort of year two guys in uh, Hamish help me out here. The guy that played the edge back the edge so back row last Mooney. year, but now he's playing prop. Yeah, Trey Mooney. Yeah. Um, and then Peter Tio, who we'd kept sort of up our sleeves from last year, um, was very strong as the starting prop rotation. And we had a couple of edge back rolls that just kept getting over the advantage one and really rocked um, Penrith on the back foot. Uh, Aside from that, there was a couple of good young halves that came on in the second half that sort of made a nice fist of their limited opportunities. I think that that was the sort of the major crux of it. We, we got out of there without serious injuries, got to see some um, some of the like the non-regional guys in here, got guys from New Zealand, guys from Queensland that had a chance. And now next week will be the the very final trial where they streamline the... I think they've got their sort of their first starting squad almost organized now, but the guys that are around out the, the depth of the squad, the sort of like uh, 18 to 26 or whatever it is for the mats and ball, that's what happens now for the, the next so trial. Just from the website, so there was... 10 SG ball players who weren't able to make the trial because they were uh, had under-20s training commitments. And final cuts to the squads have now been made. So the full-strength 2018 sides will be in action against the Bulldogs this weekend. Um, so for those wanting to attend, uh, this Saturday, the 27th, we'll be playing the Bulldogs at Terry Lamb Complex, which is on the corner of Waldron Road and Miller Road at Chester Hill. The Tasha Gale squad kicks off at 9am. Then the 15 squad kicks off at 10, followed by the Harold Mats, which is at 11.15. The 17 development squad is at 12.30. And then the SG ball, the under-18s at 1.45. And then we'll Plus also there's going to be Jersey Fleet. Jersey, that's the one, yep. Uh, and that'll be at 3.10pm. But yeah, well, it's important. Hamish and Forty. Yeah. I was going to say it's important to note that with the 16s and 18s, the the squads are actually quite flexible up to a certain point in the season, or at least they were up until 2017. Uh, you don't have to lock in your squad until sort of midway through the season, so you can sort of float float a few guys out of the squad and your talent squads and bring them in when injury strikes. So that's why this strike, the trial was just passed, and then the trial that's coming up now are very important for the guys to show that they can sort of solidify a spot in that uh, wider squad, if you will. All right. Well, um, I'm going to do my best to get down there on Saturday. Um, I know 40 and Hamish can't make it. I assume 60s is probably going to be down there because he's a fiend for football. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a maybe. That, that Those times you said just then mean I might be able to get out to some of the games. So hopefully I can get out there. All right. Um, well, now we'll move on to forward depth um, for this season. So... Obviously, in the off-season, we've made the big signing of Kane Evans to play prop front row. It seems that, though, he's going to pick up a starting prop row. Uh, sorry, prop 
role. Um, but let's just go into our sort of depth for props, second row forwards, lock slash middle forwards, and onto hooker utility position. We'll start off with our props for this season, which is Dan Alvaro, Kane Evans, David Gow plays prop at times. Tim Manor, of course, is the starting prop and has been for years. Sui Matangi as a bench prop. Varada Neakore, Birdie's uh, love interest. Uh, Penny Terrapo, <laughs> uh, Vave and Tony Williams uh, it may be playing in the prop. In our second row forward rotation, Kenny Edwards, David Gower can play second row as well. Manu Mayu, Tepe Maroa. Uh, I think Jack Morris is on a Wenty contract, but on the website he's still listed in first grade, so I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but he plays second row forward. Bo Scott, Ray Stone, I think, is on a development contract, but he's in the in the chat. Tony Williams and possibly Brad Takaraki, uh, depending on what's going to happen um, with that centre position. Moving on to Locks middle forwards, you've, of course, got Nathan Brown playing in the middle. Tepai starts on the second row, but then transitions to a middle forward row. Bo Scott and Ray Stone, who's the under-20s junior that came from the West Tigers. Then moving on to hooker utility, Cameron King seems to have wrapped up the nine spot, followed by Kayser, Will Smith with the utility position, and Reed Marnie as a second rower. With, of course, um, help me out here, Forty and Ham, you've got the young uh, Schneider, who probably is on a development contract, but he's also in the mix there. So. Yeah, he's a, still a few years away, so I wouldn't worry about him at the moment with first grade. <laughs> All right, well, let's move in. Who, who, who are going to be our starting props for this season? I'm sticking with Captain Tim Manor, and I think uh, Kane Evans is going to pick up that uh, starting prop role given he was signed on a, a fairly big contract, and I think playing uh, starting might have been part of the incentive to move across. Uh, jump in. Yeah, no, I reckon. Anyone? Same, Tim Manor, Kane Evans. You know, If not Kane, probably Matangi. Um, but yeah, I, I I think so. That's part of the deal for him coming. You know, like he wouldn't have left the Roosters where he played majority of the time on the bench to come. You know, play for Power on the bench. He would have stayed. So I'd say he you know, he'd get the first shot. More more than the pairing of props, I think it it's who is the fourth prop that is the most intriguing question for me because I think Hamish and Birdie got it right as far as. Man is going to be locked in. I think Daniel Alvaro proved himself quite well in 2017. He's probably locked in. And Kate Evans is the big recruit in the forward pack. So there's three of your four forwards in the front row. Who's going to be that four forward? Uh, and that's that's the big question. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. Matangi had a decent 2017. Vave can be the big difference maker if he's in the right shape. And that's the same with Tony Williams as far as his uh, knees concerned. Uh, and we spoke about Murata being a smoky in the forwards before, uh, transitioning from edge to middle. I'm I'm really not sure. So I think that Evans and Manor is probably a safe bet for your starting rotation. And then Paul will come on as the, the worker off the bench. But who partners him as the impact forward, I don't know. And then you've also got, you know, to deviate away from your specific props, you know, you've got, you look at the bench as a whole and... You, you know, you, you have to have Bo Scott on there. You just His defence is uh, just mongrel, is unreal. And then you've got to have a utility on there. You, could, you couldn't imagine Cameron King being given an 80 minutes to start off with. And then you've got to have Kenny Edwards on there. And so... All of a sudden, there's only that spot, one spot left, isn't it? Is that yeah. one spot, do we... Penny Terrapo, I thought um, his 2016 was really good. His, defend, um, his effectiveness in defence was really high. Uh, cut out a lot of his, the silly errors that he used to make. 
And he, of course, he's a strong attacker. Um, penis ants. <laughs> that's the one. Or the, the penis torpedoes, <laughs> the other one. Cut that out. Um, you know, Vave, as Forty said, he's got it's just the size. You know, that him and Williams have that size, they have that ball playing ability that. Um, you know that we like to have you uh, like to have in the middle of the field. Uh, Matangi, his kickoff returns are just, you know, I think he made forty meters, fifty meters a couple of times. Um, and then the Smokies, Nia Kore, who, you know, big boy, um, doesn't have the ball playing ability, but I think he's one of he's the better ones. He's got the aggression, I think, and just runs, just yeah. play all day. I, I think one thing you want to be cognizant of in twenty eighteen is that you don't want to overwork Nathan Brown. So you've got to try and find a ro- find yes. a rotation that sort of lets he'd, he'd be resistant to the idea because he wants to play his his um, guts out every week for the Eels, but you've got to try and find a way to get him off the field and sort of not let him run himself down. So I think Hamish mentioned it before, but Tepai will rotates the middle quite often after his opening stint on the right edge, so that alleviates that to a degree. But you've got to find that balance where you want your your props to keep going forwards with that Alvaro plus one sort of deal. But you also got to look after Nathan Brown. So trying to find that balance will be the, a very, de- very important question. It depend on who we're playing against at the time too and the size of the forward pack. Or is, if we're playing against a faster forward pack, you probably want to have Matangi there as your fourth one on the bench. But if you're playing against a, a big forward pack, then you want Vave there. So it might be depend on who we're playing each week, which way BA goes. Well, that, that's the beauty of the, the depth that we have right now, isn't it? You can absolutely yeah. go, go for the horses for courses approach where if there is a, like a, a particular identifying factor for an opposition pack, you can try and exploit that weakness or negate that strength with your own personnel. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's that's the way I'll be thinking at it. And maybe maybe BA thinking that way. Maybe he's not. I don't know. But you, as you said, start with Evans and Manor. And Polar's got to be there. He had a great season last year. He was, for mine, he was close to, to the club's best player. He, probably a whisker behind mm, Nathan Brown. He was very good. Very but good. But you've got then your your fourth one. Yeah, it's it's maybe horses for courses, and depends on who you're playing. There's going to be injuries throughout the year, so you have got to rest guys who have come back with niggles and that. But the depth is amazing in the, in our four pack at the moment. I think ultimately, if if I mean. The general consensus among Eels fans, whether they know what they're talking about or not, has has always been, you know, need more size. Is a lack of size. It's all about, you know, the actual size of the forward pack. So I think, I mean, in years past, I think it's been easier to sort of pander depending on the the opposition you're up against. But I think in a team that, I mean, most people's mock teams look at their bench and. The bench itself looks pretty thin, just in terms of, I guess, overall size comparison to to other teams, particularly in the props. So I think I, I I wouldn't say it's locked in, but I think if we're looking at it purely from that perspective, whether people like him or not, I, I honestly think the Vave is probably the guy. You know, because obviously he's out, <laughs> out of Vave, out of Vave. Oh, some what? Out of Vave, Matangi and Terapo, Vave is obviously the, you know, the bigger of the of the three in term, you know, size wise. But it's just hard to know, isn't it? I mean, we, you know, we can we can sit here and 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 talk all we like, but you never know. Brad Arthur could just throw a total, you know, a curveball out of nowhere and surprise all of us. But if it was up to me, I, I would go Vave. Pers- just. Just for that size factor. 
So if Bertie's got a, a man crush on Nia Kore, um, I don't know what to term Ricky's love for Vabe. He's he's uh, right on to him. <laughs> Everyone's got players that they like, so... I, I can understand. I mean, Vabe's one of those guys that if he gets right, he's just such a huge weapon to have in your forward pack. So we could do a lot worse than hoping that Vabe, you know, finds his groove at Parramatta. Because in 2016, he was outstanding for Manly in a, you know, sort of lesser known forward pack at that stage. Uh, him and Adam Fenor Blake were very, very good. And that's probably the reason why we went out and recruited him. So hopefully he can um, claw his way into the top 17. Yeah, no, I think the, I'm more looking forward to what we do with the bench. You know, we had Will Smith, you know, uh, Casey Pritchard on there with three other forwards. It'll make me. It's a bit interesting to see what they'll do, what PA will do. You know, will he go with like four, four forwards, or you know, maybe have Takarangi on the bench? You know, he can cover in the forwards for a bit. So, yeah, looking forward to PA's team list on Tuesday. All right. So if we're going into it, it seems like that we're all sort of on the train of Cameron King to start off as hooker for the 2018 season. What are thoughts of Kesa maybe coming in to fill that role? Um, and what the competition's like there? Is Kesa likely to start in Wenty and then he has to prove himself to get back in as Cameron King got the job on lockdown pending a successful preseason? I think given how smooth the ship was sailing in the back end of last season, you'd think that King would have the inside running. And, you know, Brad Arthur's already gone on record in the preseason saying that he thinks that, or at least if I recall correctly, he thinks that Smith is going to be his utility on the bench. So logically, you'd think that Kayser would start at Wente in the nine, which isn't a bad thing because I know Kayser want to be playing first grade, but Wente are going to need a bit of a direction and leadership in the forward pack, assuming that they haven't got any sort of established halves. Because uh, as far as I can see in our top 30, there's a sort of lack of backup halves in the in a, in the sense of Wenty, we've got a lot of guys that can play halves in first grade, whether it's Jared Gufferson, even French or Kenny or Takarangi, but we haven't got any, you know, yeah, Will Smith. So we're we're absolutely fine if there's an injury to one of Moses or Norman in that regard, but Wenty haven't got much uh, steering them round as far as first grade experience goes, and that's why someone like Kayser down there is going to be very important, and I think just for Kayser, once again, it's just about staying fit. Because he'll get his opportunity at some point. Because much, much like himself, you know, Cam hasn't had a great run of injury history. So if he can just keep himself right, he'll be right there. But I would think that it's going to be nine Pritchard, fourteen uh, Smith, and then nine at twenty uh, Pritchard. Yeah, no, look, you know, I'm a fan of Pritchard, but just you know, I wanted to see him play. But part of my mind, I'm thinking oh, every time he gets tackled or takes a step, he's gonna you know get injured. You know, it's just. I'd rather him play Winnie, you know, full-time, you know, and um, play first grade, come in and get injured again because, you know, poor kid. I honestly thought after the Tigers game, you know, that was that was it for him. You know, I thought he would have retired after that. You know, him and his brother both retired that year, so. It's, it's amazing how some players just have such awful luck of injuries. And I know with Kayser, at least, part of it's because he plays like a maniac. Like, he just throws his, he throws his body at everything. He, 100 miles an hour at everything. Hamish Jr. and I actually have a funny story about when we spoke to Kayser after a trial against Penrith. 
and he literally I just knocked him not knocked himself out but hurt himself absolutely smashing Sam McKendry and we just said how come you just keep murdering them? like you're throwing yourself at these this guys off kick said, off by the time too. I play football this was off a kick off yeah, yeah. <laughs> the kick off lined up from the back fence and Pritchard just <laughs> dropped him like it was nothing like he just he just hammered him but like at the same time he like he corked something and it's just that that is encapsulated Kayser perfectly he gives it his everything and I know that he hasn't always been the most finesse player at hooker, but a part of that's got to do with the fact that he hasn't been able to get as many games under the belt that you would think, given where he is age-wise now. So he's got plenty of talent. He's got plenty of athleticism. If he just get you know half a season under his belt at twenty, and he'll be right there for Parramatta. So it's a it's you go Hamish. I did notice that last year, late in games, he was a bit tired, you know, thrown forward passes or balls to the players you know, knee. So, you know, he's great defensively. It's just offensively, you know, I think King gets a nod there. And yeah, he can kick as well, Cameron King. So. That, that's very true. And that that aspect of the hooker's game is almost criminally underappreciated at times. And it's why guys like Cameron Smith are so damn good is that in the 75th minute, the quality of their service is just as good as it was in the second minute. And it's it's one of the most demanding parts of that position is that you need to be every bit as good in the back end of the game because you, you touch the ball the most out of any other player in the team. So you have to be quality every single touch. I think um, Kayser even coming off the bench, if it wasn't for what Will Smith, what he did at um, hooker and fullback and showed his utility value... Kayser's a perfect player to come off the bench. He brings enthusiasm. He pumps up the team, pumps up himself with big hits. You know, as you said, Bert, he gets tired. You put him on there for 30, 35 minutes. You might make a few interchanges using that. But just that energy you bring, plus the speed out of dummy half, he's, he'll always be a running threat. Whereas that's where Cameron sort of, that's where he falters a little bit, I think. He's um, just the speed out of dummy half, challenging the markers. He's not as quick as Kayser, who just brings a real big enthusiasm, a lot of aggression. And, you know, if, again, if it wasn't for Will Smith, I'd have Kayser on the bench 100%. So we're tipping Will Smith to take up that utility position. I think BA has come out um, in the preseason to say that he's the running favourite. Um, so there you've got your 8, 9, 10 and your 14, Cameron, uh, sorry, 8, Tim Manor, 9, Cameron King, 10, Kane Evans, uh, Will Smith in the 14. Second row forwards, we're sticking with what we had last year, Manu Mayu on the left edge, followed by Tep on the right edge to start a game, and then Tep, of course, being shifting to a middle forward role, and Kenny coming into that right edge, second row position. Is that the, the tip sheet for this season as well? I think that seems to be the core of a team, you know, at this stage, it's just that spot or two on the bench that you're trying to figure out. So I think you got it pretty right there, Hamish. Yeah, you wouldn't change it. It worked so well last year. I, I think you, you just got to stick with that. Yeah, especially um, once Moses come along and he uh, that straight running of Tep, you know, struck up a real nice combination there on the right. So as much as you can keep that together as possible, it would be 100% better for the team. Yeah, and it's just a matter of what, how much you can get out of Kane Evans. You know, can he be the guy to help elevate the pack to just that next tier, where in the big games they can re- sort of hold their own and maybe you know impose their will on the opposition. On Kane Evans, he's twenty five this season. 
Um, that would be the age in which props usually develop into their best playing years. So uh, have we got expectation that Kane's going to reach those heights this season? Pre-season's with us. I'm not sure because his role diminished completely coming off the bench for the Roosters last year. You know, he was just there to run hard. But I, th- I think Kane has a bit more um, ball playing in him than just running hard. I think he's got a nice offload. Um, so, yeah, I th- I'm not sure if it's this next this year. I reckon after maybe next preseason, we'll probably start seeing more and more. And um, He didn't come into first grade until a few years after playing for Newtown in the reserve grade. So I think he's got maybe a few more years till he reaches that peak. Yeah, I think we showed last year that we could um, do a good job with someone like Nathan Brown. So I don't think you should necessarily have the same expectation as to what Brown achieved because he was just damn incredible, you know, as far as value is concerned. But I think that we should expect something good out of Kane. Uh, we obviously look to coach a lot of skills into our forwards, uh, get them to aggressively ball play, and look to promote the ball if possible after contact. So I think given he's got, you know, an ungodly wingspan of like two, you know, two meters, it's just ridiculous. He's got these giant arms. I, you would look for him to be sort of your primary second phase guy in the middle. You know, be the one that opposition teams have to commit more numbers to try and wrap up, thus creating, you know, overlaps, like mini overlaps, if you will, if the ball gets out. So just on Evans, he's, he's got 74 games under his belt, which is sort of getting towards that 100-game mark where you have uh, that experience in your core playing group, which a lot of our other props do have. You know, Timmy Mann is well over that now. Um, but players like Tep at such a young age has almost racked up 100 games. Manu Mayu's close. Uh, Kane Evans is getting close to it, I guess. Uh, Nathan Brown, of course, doesn't have as many. But that's, that seems to be an experienced core middle forward or at least starting forward rotation that we have um, with some veterans to come off the bench and, of course, your utility players who have played a fair bit in um, Will Smith and then, I guess, your old workhorse in um, in Bo Scott who, of course, he's not going to give you as, as, as good as he used to but that consistency through his defence in the middle which Hamish touched on before. So you'd think that this this forward pack as a whole group is going to be able to perform at a, a top four level, considering their how many games they've had under their belt, their experience. But the next step is to play big in the big matches. So against those other top four teams. Yes, yeah. And it's been interesting seeing individually some of the guys try and better themselves. Both Daniel Alvaro and Kenny Edwards have had huge preseasons, and they look just like. Uh, chiseled, like cut, you know, guys in their positions that you wouldn't expect someone like Daniel Alvaro to be so fit, but he's, you know, leading 100-meter sprint drills. Kenny's, I think Kenny, not like Kenny was out of shape or anything, he was always a dynamic player, but he looks to have just shed like that extra kilo or two that makes a difference to the eye at least, and maybe gives him that little bit of extra speed. But um, the team's hungry, the forward pack's hungry, and if they can get over that hump for the big games, like you are saying, Hamish, that puts us in the box seat to really challenge for the title in 2018. Obviously, I'm certainly not expecting him to to move into that elite echelon of props, but I think based on the bits and pieces that he has shown in the past, I mean, mind you, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about being at a team at the Roosters where he was, where he was getting like 15 minutes in some games, even 10, 
he was coming on in, you know, the 65th or 70th minute of a game when, you know, it, it, it's just too hard for a prop to come on at that time and, and try and have an impact when so much has already happened in the game to, to be noticed. So I think, I think he's certainly good enough to, to at least get onto that, that, that second tier level of props. So as a, as a starting point and then just, just build on that moving forward. So it's, it's, it's not unreasonable to think that he he can't be, you know, top five, six recruits of the year if he sort of can play as he has been but at slightly higher. But it's really just about trying to, you know, get the best out of him and, you know, give him the minutes to actually have a chance to prove that. So, And I think the difference between the two packs between Parramatta and the Roosters is worth mentioning as well. I mean, the Roosters pack is just loaded. I mean, you've got Rhea Hargraves, Dylan Napa, CSI Takiaho, uh, Boyd Cordner when he hasn't got a bung leg, and and obviously Kane Evans himself, yeah, or, or Crichton going into it. But I think at the Roosters, they, they just gave him a very simple role because that's all they needed of him because they had just so much star power in that forward pack. So hopefully we can coach him up and you know get him to be a little bit different at Parramatta. The, the biggest well, thing just, is that physically he is very different to what we have. Uh, you know, yes. he, he gives us something different in the pack. And I think you don't want a pack of, like, you don't, just as like you don't want a pack of, like, small, super efficient workers, you don't also want a pack of giants. You need that balance. And he gives he gives us the balance that we're lacking previously. Yeah, it's funny. I was just having a look. One interesting fact on Evans, of those 74 games that he's played, only four of them, He's actually started a match four, and there was there was one in his debut season, two in twenty sixteen, and then just one this year. So that's, I mean, some people will look at that and think, "Oh, why should he start?" But I think it tells you that there's, you know, the opportunity is there for him to show just why he should be starting games and not not playing ten minutes off the bench. We want to run through our starting um, forward and bench. Um, for me, it's Kane Evans, Cam King, Tim Manor, Manu Mo, Tepai Moroa, Brown, Smith, Scott, Kenny, and Terrapo to round out that last prop um, position. I assume everyone's is pretty close except for that last prop position. That, that's um, the only thing I'm hung up on. And I, I just I can't give you a name right now. I, I have no idea. I think that you've got everything else right, though. Oh, just because I can, the men in the 17 jersey is CSI, Barbe. Barbe's there. Birdie. Oh, it's right? a fight to death now. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, look I, I honestly don't mind the Okore, honestly. He's there, he's there, good on him. I mean, he was always he was always pretty good when he was, you know, playing what New South Wales Cup for the Warriors for ages, for the, yeah, for the Warriors for ages and, you know, he was always a good player, don't get me wrong. If he's there, I'm not going to, you know, have a, a bitch feed or anything. It's literally just good on him. But, yeah, you know, as I said, I'm going with Varve. So if he's there, he's there. If he's not, I'll still support. All right. And anybody else have anything to add? I'll take that as a no. All right. Well, I think that'll do us for this week for the Parrot Podcast. Um, 
So I'll get into plugs, Birdie. You're on Twitter at Bevan uh, Haven One. You know, so should have gone for a one. I'm upset, but go for go Patriots in two weeks' time. Do us a favor as a Cowboys fan and beat Philadelphia. <laughs> well, as a fan of good football, um, it's good to see the two best uh, teams in both conferences fighting out for the Super Bowl. The top seeds from the AFC and the NFC, yeah. Um, and let the shit posting uh, begin. Um, it'll be so funny to see the Eagles playing the Super Bowl in the Vikings' home stadium two weeks after they whipped yeah, the Yeah, after what happened, yeah. Um, and I don't know if anybody checked it out on social media, but they had to grease up all the poles around uh, Philadelphia so people wouldn't climb. Um, but the punters <laughs> still managed to climb the greased up poles. <laughs> oh my God. So sorry, on to you for uh, As always, uh, you can catch the Cumberland Fro at thecumberlandfro.com and on Twitter at EelsTCT. Uh, things are a little bit quiet this week because the first grade team have headed into a training camp. So they're not at uh, the old sales yards doing their usual thing. They'll be um, slugging it out for the next uh, four or five days, I think it is. You know, getting a grueling regime going. Uh, after that, though, we're going to hit into the real cool part of the season for me because the district reps will be on. So Harold Matts and SG Ball coverage as always, hopefully every week. Uh, and then uh, then we get into the actual NRL trolls. So lots of cool things happening in a couple of weeks' time. Okay, and um, Hamish? Yeah, no plugs, just a Twitter again. Please get the right on the tweet this time. At uh, hamsandwich22, not 94, that's the old one. Shots fired. Ooh. Okay, and and PM, you've got uh, your sports store to plug. Um, I think we're going to – PM floated the idea of doing a giveaway for a hat. Um, I think we might discuss that a bit more next week um, and and set that all up. Uh, But PM, on to you for your plug. Yep, stories. www.sportfirstnambucco.com.au. We've got plenty of Eels supporter gear on there at the moment. Now, everybody who listens to this podcast, you can go on there. And when you go to the checkout, use the discount code PARAPODCAST and you'll get 10% off your order. And it's free shipping for any order over $100. Um, and Ricky, uh, you've got a couple of personal things going on at the moment, but where can people catch you? Uh, so, NRLnews.com is the website. At NRLnews is the Twitter page. Don't worry, Eels fans, the season preview is on its way. Again, you have to bide your time if it's, you know, it's being done in alphabetical order. So, you know, should be about a week and a half, two weeks away. But you're more than ha- you're more than welcome to read the ones on the Broncos, Raiders and Bulldogs to date. The next one is going to be the Sharkies. So if you're not a read of those, please do read them. But yes, Eels fans, you'll need to just wait a bit patiently and rest assured it's on its way. So... That's it. All right. Well, thank you once more for joining us. Um, from everybody here at the podcast, uh, I won't do everybody individually to say goodbye this week because it's a bit awkward last week when my mic dropped out. Um, but from everybody here, thanks for joining, and we'll see you next week. See ya. Cheers. See ya. Catch you guys.